Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. My guest today is author of the book Be Your Number One Cheerleader, a career and confidence coach, Ekua Kant. Welcome along to the podcast. Thank you. It's very good to be here. So I thought it would be really interesting to to hear from you, your sort of journey to, to becoming a career coach. What was your path to get here? Great. Yeah. So I think I had a pretty traditional um, career path, but then I decided I wanted to do other things and I started to like deviate from the path which I had laid out before me. So if I just um, start from the beginning, I went to uh, Bruno University and I studied political science. I did uh, A-levels and I went to um, a college and I was really excited about public service and really like working to be the wind beneath uh, the wings of politicians. I never had any aspirations to become an MP or be in the spotlight. But I always fancied like helping them to deliver public service uh, and really wanting to help people to really get the best uh, out of what each government was striving to do. But along the way of doing um, working in the, in the civil service, I found that I became interested in technology uh, and sort of like creating things and putting out ideas and really wanting to kind of like explore, um, you know, different ways of, I guess, um, working but also different ways to kind of explore how you could like have your career and like whether um, business might be something that's interesting that would be applicable for me or whether carrying on with full-time employment was the full-time pathway for me. I actually um, started my life as a personal assistant uh, first of all initially in self service and then with my interest in tech I trained to be a project manager working on IT and digital projects which was really fantastic and I really got to uh, be involved in some major projects um, which I'm really pleased to be in but that gave me that taste for that kind of like tech space that hankering to kind of you know be involved in this project mm. so initially I did that as a side accompaniment to uh, working in the civil service and that was really great because I kind of you know got to um, be involved in the startup scene, get to meet different people um, and test some of my ideas. But at that stage, I wasn't really ready to commit to, you know, going into full-time entrepreneurship. So I thought instead what I would do was um, test the waters by doing um, contracting and becoming a co contractor in the IT and project management space, because that's something I really um, enjoyed. Um, and I thought that would be where I'd want to kind of like, you know, go uh, if I didn't really take the steps to take the leaps to be full-time in entrepreneurship. But as it went, uh, I did do a stint as a contractor in project management and I really enjoyed that stuff. But I still had that, that, that little voice back in my head was like, oh, you know what? You need to see if entrepreneurship um, could really work for you um, full-time. And I think what you need to do is uh, make a plan to see how that could be explored. So obviously being a contractor, you know, you get paid unfairly well. Why don't you make a plan to kind of like, do a couple of contracts um, with the, the plan and the vision to kind of um, see if you can start your own thing, see how that goes. So that is what I did. And my startup that I was doing, uh, that I worked on, was called Drinkspot. Uh, and I mentioned that in my book. And that was a really creative startup. So what um, was the whole goal of that was to provide an inclusive uh, drink experience to offices um, in and around London, but also especially um, building on the co-working space that was kind of taking off. Um, and also, you know, that kind of um, wanting to celebrate success, but also wanting to kind of like gel and like give people the opportunity to kind of like uh, mix uh, and socialize in the office space. But one thing that I noticed that was missing was the whole range of drinks wasn't that inclusive so you have obviously different kinds of people in the workplace 
both drinkers and non-drinkers. Um, and what I found was there was a real sort of like lack of thought in their participation in, in these events. So the idea was basically reach out to craft drink suppliers and to provide um, alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks, but really to provide a special concerted effort on drinks that were non-alcoholic, but tasted really good and were high quality. And they weren't just sort of, you know, standard sort of sugary, unthoughtful drinks. They were drinks that actually tasted nice and also kind of, yeah. you know, uh, made that person made, made that person feel uh, more included and actually valued and thought of as someone, not, not just an afterthought, not just, oh, just have the, you know, have... Yeah, here's the yes, orange juice. Here's the orange juice <laughs> or, you know, here's that standard, like, fizzy beverage. <laughs> Um, so that was the, the whole idea there. So that that was um, startup um, also had a technological bent to it, um, and that bent was looking at this community called um, Slack, and that's like a messaging service where you can send messages to your colleagues, um, your team members um, online, but you can also um, invite them um, to events, and you can have like little apps and plugins. And our idea was to have a plugin into that um, community where you could order your drinks um, to your desk, your, your socials or your sort of, you know, celebrations. So yeah, that was really um, how that went. But um, as it goes, I spun a lot of plates uh, in that uh, startup. So I had a chatbot service, which I just explained. And then I had like an event service, which is all about providing you with, you know, drinks and waiters and, and everything you need for a drinks experience. And then because our company was called Drinksport, I got excited by the future of perhaps having um rather than people rather than having people serve you having robots serve you drinks um and surprisingly um i did find a robot that could serve you drinks and the concept um there was to hire out this robot for massive corporate events and like really kind of like high-end events but i spread myself um too thinly and you know had i concentrated on one thing perhaps it would have worked out better but it taught me a lot about, you know, what you need to do in order to grow something um, and be sort of really sort of conscious about learning from your mistakes, um, you know, asking for help and getting feedback. Um, and those are some of the things that uh, I mentioned uh, in my book. But it brought me to the realization that where my, what my genius is, is creating and sharing ideas, but also helping people to become confident in themselves to give themselves permission to explore what's in their mind, what their dreams are, uh, and not be beholden to the career path that they've taken for years and years and years, um, and to kind of give themselves different ways to explore those ideas that, that are safe and don't make them just um, leap. It gives them the opportunity to think about things in ways that they hadn't imagined. So like take um, baby steps and, and actually um, explore ideas in ways that give them the opportunity not to just kind of drop everything, but more uh, a more of a phased approach to thinking about how they can transition and change, but also how they can learn about themselves and really understand if what they think, what they desire is truly what they desire, or whether it's symptomatic or something else, which they actually need to uh, resolve and tackle. Because sometimes we are desiring and dreaming about other avenues um, for career paths or other kinds of jobs, work we want to do. But sometimes it's a fundamental issue that is actually to do with the workplace or ourselves or something that's in our environment, which we also um, need to look at. And it's about really understanding how to get to the heart uh, of those issues and, um, you know, being uh, gentle and compassionate with ourselves um, to give ourselves the space to um, expand uh, and to explore, um, you know, where we want to go and how we want to uh, move forward and discover if it's the right thing or not the right thing but it doesn't even matter if that's the case it's really that that space to be not non-judgmental 
but to have the opportunity to not be afraid to explore all of the, the different facets um, that we're feeling and all the different ideas that we're having um, and to get that sort of like gentle sort of like challenge and space to um, think about what you'd like to do. You, in, in your uh, career coaching, do um, specialise in midlife transitions. And I think for many of us, when we're, you know, we're getting to that point maybe where, you know, we are having that sort of maybe existential crisis or, or or at least kind of questioning and probing maybe it's time for kind of quite a big change a career change or pivoting and doing something entrepreneurial for some people maybe even going kind of completely retraining and going into a new career so how how do you approach that with with the clients with the the people that you work with yeah so I I look I work with the uh, ambitious woman who's sort of like very experienced but they come to like a crossroads and really it's about giving them the space to consider you know what's important to what's important to them in their lives uh, and why but also to really consider their career values so that's one of the key things that we do before um, starting on thinking about going in any direction it's first understanding where we are and what we actually value and what we don't so that we can um, chart a course to where we go so I have these three career values which I go through um, the first one is intrinsic so that's the values to help you feel motivated and fulfilled and we talk about um, you know what that means to them and explore um, questions that allow them to kind of consider that and then secondly there's the extrinsic values so there's tangible um, rewards like wealth and social status and like how does that fit into what they um, want to do and then finally there's the lifestyle values so you know what kind of lifestyle do they want what does the, how does their career um, enable that and then it's really to think about what is their their why and their purpose like you know what really makes them tick what really um, has value and meaning to them and what provides purpose to them uh, in their lives. Um, and that's both from a professional and a um, personal standpoint, because I think we can't separate the two. It's important to understand like how they fit together. So we sort of consider that. And then once we can understand, you know, what makes them thrive and really to think about that like deeply and what really sort of drains them and what really doesn't um, sit well with them. And we have to create this picture then we can think about, okay, where is it we might want to chart the course to next? Fantastic. And how um, does it vary in terms of how many sessions people tend to have with you, depending on, I guess, how how sort of how far along that in their thinking they already are or how big of a change they might want to make? Do you, how many sessions do you sort of typically tend to do with somebody? Yeah, I think it's really like up to the individual and like um, working. It's not like a, it's not like a widget factory because some people are, you know, as you say, advanced in their thoughts and some people are, are sort of more, um, they just have that inkling and they need sort of more sort of space and guidance. So it could be, you know, one session, it could be three, but it's really just about actually giving time and space um, for that person to kind of, you know, get to uh, understand the key things around their career values uh, so that they they really are clear. Because I think, you know, this, as I said, there's a lot of um, issues that can be sort of involved in that sort of restless feeling or that feeling of wanting to change that need to be um, sort of unpicked um, carefully before um, you proceed. And I think sometimes it's it's a really, it's a good chance for people to kind of, you know, reflect on, um, you know, what they've done in their career, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, and then for them to kind of think about, well, actually, what is it that I now want this next segment to be about? Um, and how does that fit with, you know, the rest of my life that I'm planning um, and how to kind of uh, architect that? 
so yeah, I think it's it, it's it's variable, um, but it follow it, it it kind of follows the same sort of um, you know principles, but it just it depends. It, uh, the level of depth depends on on the level of thinking uh, or the stage thinking that the person uh, was, uh, is at. Yeah, and I think it's it's, um, it's almost like we have to give ourselves that permission to to take time out of kind of busy schedules, whether that's career or family or a bit of both. And um, yeah, I think just carving out that specified time to do that work is so important. I think it's it's very easy to kind of spend a lot of time in your head thinking about what ifs, but actually to sort of have dedicated, you know, hour or 90 minutes or kind of sort of structured sessions to unpick all of that, as you said, and really delve deep and then put it all back together again is is really something that I think a lot of us would benefit from. You talk in the book about forming positive mental mind muscle. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how you you sort of encourage that as sort of part of the the coaching that you you do? Yeah. So if I just um, briefly explain what the book is about, how that fits in. So the book is called, as you said, it's called Be Number One Cheerleader. And that whole book is about applying entrepreneurial um, principles to your career um, and to your business, if that's the way that you want to go. But the whole thing about building your positive mental mind muscle um, it's really about you know, being conscious of how you think um, and the kind of thoughts that dominate your mind. Because a lot of the time we kind of uh, don't really notice and become complacent about how we think. And we think that how we're thinking is serving us. But actually, if we step back to think about how we think, we start to realize that, hmm, actually, the thoughts that I'm thinking don't actually advance uh, where I want to go. Or the thoughts that I'm thinking um, are not actually sort of giving me the opportunity or the, the space to think in ways, uh, to think more creatively and more dynamically. They're just kind of my fears. And actually my fears aren't gonna help me move forward. What I need to do is focus on how I can be um, proactive and features focused. Um, and that really is about opening your mind to, you know, framing things more optimistically, you know, in the, in the can sense. And, and even just, you know, giving yourself that room to kind of understand that even if something doesn't work out or even if something is negative, it's not the end of the world. It's about having that um, confidence to try and to put yourself out there and to learn from those things and having that mindset that actually every time you're putting, moving forward and you know, you're know you being taking a step forward, taking action, you are um, moving towards building that positive like resilience and that positive like attitude. And it's not about sort of denying, you know, thinking things are wrong or denying that you have negative thoughts, but it's being conscious to challenge those thoughts and to really work hard to actually think thoughts that are more helpful. Um, and maybe that you might want to, you know, use positive affirmations or meditation, but really things that help you to get into that zone where you're feeling that confident and you're feeling you know, hopeful. Um, and you're really working to, to, to believe that everything that, you, that you're doing is actually um, serving you to move forward and positively rather than just holding on to those negative things and just having that pity party um, which doesn't really help. I mean, yes, I think that you need to take time to process negative emotions and situations as they arise, but it's really about, you know, limiting that uh, time and really um, taking the conscious effort to be like, okay, that, that didn't work. Um, it wasn't as I expected, but here is actually what went well. And here is where I can learn. And here is how I can actually move forward to do that like differently. 
I think, yeah, there's that weekend. It's very easy to uh, have those sort of inner critic, the, the kind of the critical voices overwhelming rather than just sort of objectively looking at something and saying, okay, what can I take from this experience? You know, just because it didn't work doesn't mean that, you know, my idea is terrible or, you know, everything's going to be a complete failure. What are some simple ways that from your experience that we can build our self-confidence and tackle those limiting beliefs? Yeah. So one of the things um, that I would say is practice and action as the two watchwords for building confidence, because in order for you to, to feel more, more confident or to feel safer in doing something, you need to actually do it. I think that what really interesting about building confidence is that a lot of the time fear strangles us and it really kind of uh, makes us be inactive and it really sort of um, hampers our progress. But actually, if we take steps to start to practice that action or to, you know, find a way to, you know, get involved um, in a situation where we can de-stress um, our fears and de-stress, you know, what it is that we want to do, then I think that that really helps us to build confidence in doing that. So I think that, you know, finding a space to practice with you know, a friend, a colleague, um, or, you know, just by yourself, but do it, taking the action to actually do it. Um, and, and, and having that mindset that actually it's not about perfection. It's really about putting yourself forward, attempting it, um, and having that, that learning attitude and, and that growth mindset. And, you know, I think that is one of the, the ways that you can really like build confidence. But I think another way, which is really important is, um, starting your day well and starting it with a positive frame of mind, because if you start your day with positive thoughts and you know you open yourself to that zone of, of being creative of being positive whether that's your, your yoga your meditation or exercise or whatever it is that you do to get yourself into that um, frame of mind where you go into the day where you know you're open to um you know putting yourself out there you're open to learning you're open to attempting things that attitude and that practice helps to, to build your confidence because you become less less fearful of um you know things going wrong because you accept that as part of having that growth mindset attitude, you know, you need to take action and take steps, even if it's a small step. By doing this, those small steps is a cumulative um, effect, which will obviously build your confidence and help you to reach the goal. And then the one that I love is actually celebrating your wins and really tuning yourself to um, accepting. Because it's funny that actually a lot of people have um, a difficult time accepting that they have been successful before they've reached the end goal. There's a lot of fixation about the end and not actually the journey that it takes to get there, which is interesting because, you know, mm. we can't just get there in one foul sweep or one big step. It takes, you know, some time and some energy and some effort to actually get to the end goal. So we have to recognize that as we are striving and as we are building towards that, um, that goal, that we are moving forward and that we should celebrate those successes and that will help us to you know, feel more optimistic and confident as we move forward and to the end and even if certain things go wrong you know we are taking that learning attitude and approach and it's really building our confidence by accepting that sometimes we do win but we don't have to wait for it to be the end before we think that we've, we've had that little victory and I think that is something that's really important and that can be sort of really powerful for people because they tend to think that if they haven't got there, then there's no point in celebrating. But if you haven't got there and you're still taking steps to get there, then it's worth acknowledging your effort. Um, and that will help keep you motivated. Whereas if you're only going to be celebrating at the end, 
then you're going to sort of feel, I mean, yes, you, you might still feel motivated, but I think that it's harder for you to kind of see that end in sight because you're, you're so, you seem, seem so far away. But whereas if you're accepting, you know, the steps that you're taking are progressing you and you're having that, that thought like, yes, great. I have you know done this step. I've done this step. Um, and, and that's moving me forward. That just keeps the sort of momentum and the energy going a bit better. So I really encourage people to think about celebrating those wins as alien as it might be. It's not something, well, it's true because... It, well, definitely, <laughs> definitely, I think for, for women, you know, we're not used to bigging ourselves up or kind of shouting about our achievements. We, uh, we yeah, we, we just don't, uh, well, for many of us, you know, we don't grow up doing that kind of in, in kind of either a school sphere or a work sphere and, and it's almost like you've got to learn to get over that icky uncomfortable feeling of going look at me look what I've achieved well yeah but but that's that's the thing I think there's, there's like a big dimension with um women and visibility and cheering for themselves and really feeling um confident in putting themselves out there because there is uh, there's the happy messages um in society around a woman's place and how women um ought to act behave and how if you know women are seen uh, if women are taking up um, more space than perhaps um maybe traditionally um seem to be as acceptable then somehow um they are um you know stepping out of line or they are, are being boastful but actually if you think about it that is not the case it is yes these are some ideas that have um, prevailed for a while but i think we've come to a different space um, with you know feminism and, and and you know women's rights and equality that we now need to like encourage more women to take up more space and to to understand that being part of the solution is putting their hand up and saying you know what they have done um, and sharing their journey um, and not being afraid to to do that because in so doing they are helping other women to see that that it's okay and that it's right and it's not actually it's not bad um but also this is a, a, a way that women are um preventing themselves from from um, getting career progression because you know it's all very well and this is a number of things that i hear quite a lot it's all very well saying yes i'm doing a, you're doing a great job uh you know you're getting good feedback but if no one is hearing about it who is higher than you or who has the, the power to really um, give you the opportunities or to allow you to, to step up the ladder and to go into those leadership roles or to be in the room that you want to be in, then you're not going to progress. Part of that is that being able to say, I have done this and it was me uh, and I'm happy to, to say, no, but it's, it, it's, it's absolutely... Yeah, no, I've seen that many times in, you know, in, my, in my own personal experience of like, you know, the people who are, you know, get out there and do kind of almost like self publicize right you you those are the ones that people will take you know pay attention they they're like oh and they're the ones that that get the opportunities so yeah it's absolutely true that no one's going to do it for you <laughs> no no exactly but I think the other thing that I advocate is you know there are different ways to be out there mm. you know you can write you can publish you can speak I feel I, I what I really want to encourage people women especially to think about is being visible doesn't have to be being in your face. Think about the different ways that you can still show what you have done um, in a way that feels authentic, in a way that still reaches um, more people than it would be when you don't say anything and you don't share. Especially if you're uh, sort of more on the introverted end of, of the scale and, and don't kind of feel comfortable putting yourself out there in the kind of traditional sense. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the ways I, I, I think is also really helpful is to be interviewed you know that way it's just been the pressure on you all you're doing is answering 
um, questions and sharing your knowledge. At the same time, you're building your profile. You know, if you volunteer to be on the podcast or you volunteer to be as part of a panel, you know, you're being asked questions. You're not just going out there uh, creating your own one hour YouTube sh- channel, which you could do. Uh, but all means, I, I recommend that if you want to do that. But my point is, though, if you are a shyer person, you know, you could put yourself out there by being involved in public events where you're speaking about what you are passionate about or what you want to share so that people know that you know all these fantastic things about your field and your, your industry. So I will obviously, uh, when I'm sharing the podcast, I'm going to share a link to your book, which is available through Amazon uh, and to your website. So if anybody wants to to get in touch with you and work with you, they'll be able to find you that way. Any sort of closing thoughts for, for people who are maybe considering doing some kind of career coaching, but kind of maybe on the fence about it? Yeah, I think that um, now is the time, I think with the coronavirus um, and all that's happened in the last year, uh, I think it's really made people think about, you know, their work-life balance and what it is they want to, to do with their life. And it's worth just, you know, exploring um, those options. Um, doesn't have to be a coach, could be a mentor um, or with a coach. Mm. But I think that they should give themselves um, permission to actually just explore what's in their mind. And it doesn't mean they have to commit to anything, but I think that at least giving themselves the opportunity to just actually figure out what they value and then deciding whether they then want to take it further and work with, with a coach or whether they want to then, you know, chart their own course um, using self-help and resources. I, I really encourage them to actually not be afraid to, to think about what they're feeling and then to share that with someone that they, they trust uh, and to think about how that conversation can be developed and whether they need to seek out um, additional support to do that. Fantastic. Equa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a real joy chatting to you again today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when the next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com sign up to my newsletter as well i do hope you enjoyed listening today if you did i'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed hope you can join us next time goodbye for now